We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in his nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody, to another edition of the Rock Bell Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we're here tonight talking about. Chris, we just got done recording a podcast with Nate Geary, talking about free agency philosophy, offseason philosophy, how this team should look to reshape their roster ahead of free agency, ahead of the draft. I want to take a look before we start, as I start digging into free agents that I think might be both cost and philosophical fits for the 2023 Buffalo Bills, for a weekly segment that will air a few times a week in the run-up to actual signing day on March 15th, one of the dynamics I have to look at first is not just the players who are going to be available, but the guys under contract who might become available, whether any of them are worth waiting for, and, and if you're Brandon Bean... If there's any cautionary tales that might lie within there, and I think there's a couple. Now, I want to take this show and look at cap casualties, the impact on the Bills' options, and the way that they might see their free agent decisions. Because every week from here till the free agent signing day on March 15th, I'm going to be bringing you guys a list of players that I see as fits whether it's restricted free agents, guys that might... Because, Chris, we watched, we lost Mike Gillisley. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, to the uh, Patriots. We got a fifth-round pick for that. How did that work out for the Patriots? He scored three touchdowns in his first game and was never heard, of, heard from again. Or two touchdowns, I believe. Mike Gillisley. Guys, hey, Chris, Google that for me. See if you can figure out what his stat line was that season. I just know he had a big start and then was never heard from again. There are going to be players who are out there, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. We're going to do this in the ramp up to the actual signing day. 
I have to look at not just the guys who are going to be available and under contract, but the guys who could be available. And we've already seen some guys get the axe this offseason. Derek Carr, Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods. Robert Woods, former Buffalo Bill, just to name a few. And all of them have the same affliction. Older players who haven't been nearly as effective as their paychecks indicated they should be. Like, you're being released from teams who don't think that you're worth what was on the books for you. And in some cases, if you're the Titans or the Raiders... Chris, who are the Titans and Raiders? Nobodies. Are they competitive football teams? No. So they're cutting their quarterback. If you're the Titans, you're having a fire sale. Why? Because you have a new GM who looks at the way the old GM built the team and says, the AFC South stinks. Stinks on ice. And yet you guys couldn't compete. Then we need to... I didn't make these contracts. I don't love these players. There's a lot of change here happening. And Bills fans have been familiar with this dynamic to a certain degree, right? You have older players not performing up to their contracts. Star Latulule, did he ever live up to his contract? Mm, not at the end. Because <laughs> he, took, he took time off. Yeah, but Chris, not even really at the beginning. Like they Look, look at Daquan Jones. Watching Daquan Jones work this offseason has been like, it's like the clouds parted. And I go, oh, that's what a one-tech is supposed to look like. How about Mario Addison? Not a bust, but never lived up to his salary. And he was inevitably cut when production and age, like that was just too much to carry. John Feliciano, he was okay when we signed him. And then he signed an extension. And then afterwards bitched about how like, oh, the Bills wouldn't let me play center. Chris, he was here when we signed Mitch Morse. True or false? Uh, I guess that's true. Okay. We signed them all in the same offseason. All right. Then he later cried about how he didn't feel like he got a fair shake to be the center. What, what did he expect? You didn't outplay Mitch Morris. I, I, don't, I don't get it. And then we cut him for cap relief ahead of the 2022 season. In some cases, kind of like what's going to happen in Oakland... What happened to the Bills at guard without Feliciano? You you find yourself realizing that just because you've got someone new doesn't mean you're going to get better. Roger Saffold's 2022 season is living, breathing proof of this. And so, well, there are certainly going to be players, by my count, about 30 to 35 of them, who, who could... I know... I don't even want to say could, will be cut for cap purposes by the respective teams or traded. There are a few that will inevitably be linked to Buffalo. And tonight, I just want to look at why some of them are notable. And also, there's lessons to be learned as fans. And hopefully, the people who actually make football decisions are paying attention to this shit. Just things to be learned about what our team might be thinking ahead of the tampering that's going to take place at the NFL Combine next week and inevitably UFA signing day. I, I first want to talk about franchise tag implications. There's not a single member 
of the 2022 Buffalo Bills that I think would be justified for a franchise tag? True or false, Chris? Franchise tag for the Bills? I don't think that's happening. I, I would eat Skyline Chili if it happens. I've seen talk of the Bills giving Tremaine Edmonds the quote-unquote transition tag. I don't know what that is. It's like a slightly cheaper, but like you don't get first-round picks in return if someone tries to sign him. I don't know. I don't fucking know. The, Chris, the tags are weird, right? Yep. Okay. With that said, talking about who you'd like your team to chase in free agency or who you might think be a good fit is sort of pointless until you weed out the guys who likely won't make it there. I think about Lamar Jackson. He's a prime example. Every team wants to like wants what they believe is a top 10 quarterback and would give up anything for it. Look at the Broncos. The Broncos just, what, traded for Russ? Yeah. Gave up a boatload to get him and then sucked with him. But they'll, the teams who, who think that they're close or who just that much want to be in that conversation will give up everything to get what they think is a top 10 quarterback. And regardless of what I or you might think, Chris, Lamar Jackson is a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, true true statement. He also will not be leaving Baltimore unless someone really backs the Brinks truck up to Steve Biscotti's front doorstep. They are going to franchise tag him if they cannot work out a long-term deal. And the funny thing is, if you think about backing up a Brinks truck to Steve Biscotti's front door, he's worth $6.4 billion. Would anyone in his neighborhood even bat an eye at that? No. They'd say, oh, there's an armored car at the Biscotti place. That happens. That's a thing. The other side of that argument is that if you look at the NFL landscape, there's maybe the widest margin ever between the haves and the have-nots. There are currently nine teams that have double-digit negative cap space as of today. The Buffalo Bills are one of them. There are also eight teams that have at least $30 million or more in available cap to spend. Those teams at the bottom are unlikely. <coughs> Those teams at the bottom of the league in cap space are unlikely to be able to even afford the use of a transition tag or a franchise tag. While teams at the bottom not only could use the tag on their own talent, like quarterbacks Geno Smith or Daniel Jones, you look at the running backs, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Everyone thinks that they're hot names in the free agent market, but they'll never see it if their teams like them and want them around. But they could also be facilitators of a tag and trade with another franchise. Like, realistically, there are a bunch of players who are never going to see the market. And, like, that's like, like look, even, Chris. Yeah. If Mike Gesicki was worth a franchise tag last year, that's, that's where we've gotten as a league. Mike Gesicki got franchise tag last year. He's not great. Does he have any statistical success to speak of? Not under McDaniel. Not under anybody. And yet, he was franchise tagged. Now, this season, they'll probably let him go in free agency. But realistically, he already got, Chris, he got paid. Paid, paid. For one year of mediocre production. Why would you franchise tag him again? 
He clearly doesn't want to be there. I just, I, I look at this and I think to myself, there's, there's no reason to continue this nonsense. I think the Bills aren't franchising tag, franchise tagging anyone. I, I don't believe the transition tag stuff about Tremaine Edmonds because if you can't deal him and you can't get him to sign a long-term deal, then you're wasting, I mean, I guess. We talked about it with Nate. Maybe you're wasting your shot or minimizing the window that you could just go all in on offense and build the grossest team anyone's ever seen and just hope that your mediocre defense, because Chris, isn't that what the Chiefs do every year? What's that? Build the decent offense and just hope that their mediocre defense can hold them in line. Yeah. Okay. Then I think the Bills could do that. I don't foresee it for us. Also, I think that there's going to be a lot of players taken out of the pool by franchise tags between now and signing day. And I think, in fact, I think they have until the 7th of March to place them. I'm just happy the Bills aren't one of those teams. Now, I want to talk about some of the players and some of the names that are going to come out over the course of the next, some of the themes that are going to play out, and some of the things that I hope the Bills have learned from them. First of all, I've seen a lot of talk about wide receiver Adam Thielen coming to the Buffalo Bills. Instead of talking about him, I'm going to start this conversation by talking about another wide receiver who I've already heard some Bills fans postulating about. The Saints lead the NFL in dead cap. Michael Thomas isn't over the hill by age, but he's played three games in two seasons, and the team could save $12 million by cutting him. Some GM out there will sign Thomas as a vet rehab project. Chris, if you think back, how many of these have you seen? Like Teams who are like, well, that guy got hurt, and he's been hurt, and he hasn't produced, but we think we can fix him. That happens a lot. It sure as hell better not be the Buffalo Bills. Meanwhile, you can look at guys like Bobby Woods, Adam Thielen, even Kenny Galladay. Now, these are guys who could make interesting additions, considering they're all wide receivers who haven't touched 1,000 yards since 2018. But they've been healthy, relatively speaking. I mean, Bobby Woods... He had that big injury that kind of took some time to get back from. But they've been healthy over the last few years and are now bit pieces rather than someone you would ever look at as a key contributor. And yet they could be exactly what the Bills wide receiver room needs ahead of the draft just to preserve our options. You know how Bean loves to do that. In free agency, he tries to say, okay, what are my glaring needs? Well, let me fill them with potential starters. And then that gives me the ability to go into the draft with my eyes wide open. I guess here's the question. Wouldn't you rather be the guy picking up an aged veteran? Like, think about Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders worked for the first, like, eight months of the season. Yeah. Eight weeks. Or would you rather be the team that signed these guys to their original massive contract extension? Like, look at Galladay. No, I don't want to pay him what he was making. I don't want to pay anybody what he was making. I have a hard time imagining that a guy like Galladay, who scored 16 touchdowns in two seasons from 2018 to 2019, forgot how to play NFL football. It's probably more of a fit and a usage issue. Also, over those two seasons, he had over 100 targets a year. He was getting Stephon Diggs numbers. 
Chris, don't you think that that plays into how a wide receiver puts up stats? Yeah. So if you go to a team like the Giants who doesn't have a quarterback, who can distribute the ball accurately, reliably, he's checking it down a lot. You're relying on running backs, tight ends, secondary wide receivers when teams roll double coverage to your way. Kenny Galladay is actually a guy who's on my radar as like when he gets cut, I'd kick the tires on him depending on what it costs. Right? Yeah. I look at Thielen. There aren't currently any active contracts right now in the NFL for a wide receiver who signed at the age of 32 to even compare him to. But if you look ahead and behind by a year or two, I've got Julio Jones at $6 million for one year. Wasn't it all based off hype? Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, he went to the Titans, and everyone was like, look at the Titans, they've got A.J. Brown and Julio. And then Julio got hurt and never came back. And then he went to Tampa, and everyone goes, oh, Tampa! He's going to do great with Tom Brady. What did he do, Chris? Nothing. T.Y. Hilton, meanwhile, made 800000 with the Cowboys. What did he do there? Nothing. Nothing. So you could pay $6 million for nothing, or you could pay $800,000 for nothing if all you're doing is signing guys who had a name. On the other side of that, Marquise Goodwin signed a $1.2 million one-year deal with Seattle. What did Marquise Goodwin do? I didn't know that he was still in the league. Nope. But did it cost them anything? No. <laughs> no. The smart teams signed, signed aging wide receivers with declining production for small dollars, right? And they weren't really harmed when they didn't show up. That's going to be the key to figuring out Thielen's value. Not if, but when he's released, because there's no way they can continue paying him like that. Especially for a team that's negative cap space and has a lot of other problems. And as soon as it happens and Bills fans start clamoring for him, the question is, can he be had for T.Y. Hilton money? Or is he going to cost me Julio Jones money? That's going to be the differentiator there between whether or not I'm interested in him being on this football team. And I think that that's how fans need to start looking at some of these cuts that are going to come up. Because, Chris, I'm already hearing about Bobby Wagner. Yep. Everyone's going, Bobby Wagner's going to get cut. I, in a group chat that I love these guys. I'm not trying to trash them. I love you. Cam... I love you. He puts in the chat, he goes, Bobby Wagner's going to get cut. That's a great insurance policy if we can't sign Tremaine Edmonds. I go, no, what you don't understand is that they're not cutting him. They're floating the idea that they will, hoping someone will trade for his rights. And if that doesn't happen, then they're going to cut him after free agent signing day. And then he's free to start. Was that a June 2nd designation? Like a June? No. Is they're, that a thing? They're going to cut him on March 15th. All right. Which means that his agent can't go to the combine and legally back channel with other teams and start making deals. Like, if they were to cut him today, he could be signed ahead of March 15th. The fact that they're going to squat, like, float the idea that he'll be cut, but squat on his rights, means that, realistically, he's going to get cut and then have to be thrown out there into what is a free agent frenzy. But he's had none of the time to legally do the groundwork and the back channeling 
that all these other free agents have had time to do. So you as the Bills, you've never legally, quote unquote, haven't gotten to talk to his agent and figure out whether or not he's even interested in coming to Buffalo. So for the people who are like, well, we could just go after him. What happens if you lose Edmonds and him? And then you end up with nobody except for a rookie or a backup middle linebacker playing a starting role. What if Tyrell Dodson's your starting middle linebacker? Ooh. Yeah. Ugh. There's a lot at risk here, but this is the idea, right? Like, you're trying to figure out the value. Older players, obviously there's like, it's funny how we got on that point. Realistically, like, I look at this and I say to myself, there's, with these wide receivers in free agency, there is, like, there's there's obviously, like, place where you can find value depending on the price. And that's what it's going to come down to. So for all the fans who are talking about, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? Sure, there may be free agent values. There will also be guys cut from their respective teams, but that doesn't mean that any of them are actual values. There's a reason someone's throwing them to the dogs. Some of it might be because they as we'll talk about here with Jordan Poyer and Harrison Smith's situation, some of it might be because you made poor choices as a GM. Some of it might be because that guy's actually finished. You need to be the team that's smart enough to smell the difference. Also, there's going to be running backs. Running backs galore. Chris, answer me a question. At a time when running backs have been devalued and rookies like Pacheco are coming out in the seventh round and making a huge impact for their teams. Who are the GMs with a massive appetite for expensive running backs, whether it's UFAs or trades? It's ones that'll have uh, new quarterbacks on rookie deals. Get them them a, a rushing attack. Perfect. Not teams that pay their quarterback Josh Allen money. Not contenders. No. Okay. Now, I want to look at two teams, right? The last big running back deals. Because 2021, 2020, the 2022 offseason was pretty tame for running back deals. You actually have to go back a bit. You've got the Aaron Jones deal, and then you've got Delvin Cook and Elvin Kamara. And then you got to look at how they've panned out as of today. Like, Cook had a great season last year. Over 1,000 yards eight touchdowns, kind of stabilized their offense. Meanwhile, on a gutted Saints team, Kamara had back-to-back career-worst seasons. Yardage, touchdowns, and he wasn't enough to help a team with the biggest negative cap figure for a third straight season figure out more than six games. Yeah, and he's he's not helping him going (laughs) forward with that hotel fight. Stop beating up people in hotels! Chris... Let me ask you a question. What's more believable? Now, I might get sued for defamation by an Elvin Kamara, and if so, I welcome it. Sue me. Let me ask you a question. What's more likely? The story that his agent's trying to spin is that Elvin Kamara was actually acting in self-defense. That one lone man found himself in a fist fight with an elevator full of athletes. What's more likely, that they attacked him or he attacked them? He attacked him. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just asking a question. What's more likely? Now, I'm sure that makes me the asshole here. But 
He had a bad year, and it's only going to get worse. And if you look past that, Aaron Jones just recently had to renegotiate his four-year deal with Green Bay just to avoid being cut. What if I told you that between those three guys and the running backs that we're about to talk about, almost all of the current top 10 cap hits at running back have either renegotiated their deal or are on the bubble as potential cap casualties? I don't even know why you would want to talk about Adding a veteran running back. I no. think Brandon Bean well, has exactly. made it a point no, no. to, I'm not finished, to spend second to fourth round picks on running backs each year. Like Singletary, his contract is over. He's not coming back. That's why we got Cook last year. It's just going to be a continuous cycle of using the draft to get the value you can get out of a running back. See, Chris, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do the thing that guys like Bruce and guys like Greg do. And this is the worst part. People, nerds. People don't, the nerds don't think I'm capable of this. The quote-unquote smart people, which I love that people go, you use that quote-unquote thing. It's like, yeah, nerds. I love those guys. Nerds. Running back, I, running back extensions are always a bad idea. True or false? That is 100% true. There's so much historical evidence to say it's a terrible idea. And yet there's always a Jerry Jones or an L. Davis or a fucking whoever the guy who got fired in Tennessee to dole these contracts out. And now you look at the guys who are going to be on the chopping block. Ezekiel Elliott. He's pro Like, if Tony Pollard was healthy... The only reason Elliot might survive is because Tony Pollard got hurt. If it wasn't for that, he would already be on the street. How about Joe Mixon? We don't have any Zaxby's here. <laughs> no, he's not allowed in Buffalo. He's actually literally not allowed to come within the city limits. But he's a guy who's about to get cut because he signed an extension and hasn't lived up to it. Chris, he's been a terrible running back. Yeah. A terrible running back. Ever since he signed his deal. Derrick Henry. Now, this is the best part. And this is where the bills tie in. I saw an article the other day about our Jeff Saturday. ESPN analyst and the most confusing head coach hire of my adult life. He thinks that Buffalo trading for Henry is a great fit. Buffalo trading real tangible draft capital to Tennessee to take on that cap hit. No. To to quote the movie Talladega Nights, that idea ain't worth a velvet painting of a whale and a dolphin getting it on. Like what? Uh, $16 million cap hit? Yeah. Their GM is clearly, like, look at the way, Chris, Bud Dupree is going to get cut. Yep. Uh, what's his name? What's their quarterback's name? Mitch Trubisky. No, Tennessee. Oh, Ryan Tannehill. He's going to get cut. They're going to save gobs and gobs of cap space. They, Bud Dupree's on the block. Their quarterback's on the block. They've already cut their left, like their... Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods. They're shaving cap space everywhere they can find it. Because if you think about it, like they are all an impediment to his ability to rebuild a football team that badly needs it. It's kind of funny. Football is a Southern institution, right? Correct. You see, like, Texas. 
They go, oh, football and religion. Those are the two big things. SEC, Big 12, they compete in football. The South is great at this. And then they go to the NFL. Why do both conferences, Southern like divisions, they're the worst in either conference? True or false? Yeah. I don't know how this happens. You're in the South. You're supposed, like, Chris, I bet you, like, you look at the Jaguars. They're never going to rival Florida University in TV money. Yeah. True. They're, they're never going to be able to compete with Florida. <laughs> the NFL put the Jacksonville Jaguars there because they thought they could draw on a football town. And the football town figured out, hey, we get a better product with the Gators than we do with the fucking Jaguars. Fuck you. Then you look at Henry. He might be the clearest example. Like, the fact that we're talking about him underscores that they don't have to be bad players, but you're just not a good usage of cap space. A GM looks at you and goes, hey, when you're not in the field, Dante Foreman and whatever the fuck his name was did your job a year ago. I could get by without you and shave $16 million off my salary cap. Chris, here's a question. Who led the Chiefs' backfield in touches this year? Pacheco? It doesn't fucking matter. That's the answer. The answer is no one knows, and it doesn't matter. So to put a bill slant on this, as much as I'd love to see the Bills with a Kareem Hunt, a Miles Sanders, I'd love it if we had a Derrick Henry. I'd think they'd not only look to draft to find that guy, but also I wouldn't be surprised... If Buffalo not only doesn't do much of anything in free agency to address the running back position, but if they give Devin Singletary the Levi Wallace treatment, the Isaiah McKenzie treatment, where they go, listen. Singletary's not coming back. They go, listen, we have a number. Well, Chris, here's the thing Bean does. He goes, I have a number. No. Here's my number for you. Look at, they told Levi Wallace, you're worth $1 million. Go out there and see if you can do better, and if you can't, come back. Talk to me. They signed Levi Wallace for a one-year, $1 million in change deal. Isaiah McKenzie. They said, listen, go test the market, and we will bring you back if we feel like you're worth bringing back. And they did it for a cheap deal. So I laugh when Spotrack says that Devin Singletary is worth $5.5 million a year. On a three-year deal. Chris, are you willing to bet me a Seagram's that somebody pays him that? Nobody's going to pay him that. He's not even worth half that. No. And I think that we're all learning, even if the pundits aren't, that nobody gives a fuck. They're t- Jeff Saturday wants to prognosticate the Bills trading for Derrick Henry. See back on ESPN? Yeah, because he's not getting that. Like, the Colts job's done. Yeah, it went to Shane Steichen. How weird is it that Jeff Saturday was a coach for like 10 weeks? Oh, well, I just like the, the blowback that it got originally. But As it should the have. same thing happened in hockey last year. Montre- Montreal Canadiens uh, signing Martin St. Louis to be coach, who's never coached ever at any level. And just imagine the Dallas Cowboys... Going out and uh, hiring Nate Newton, who had who has ah! no. All I did co- was drive a van yeah. full of weed. Yeah, <laughs> that's like his coaching experience. Yeah, that's, that's that happens more in hockey 
I, I get the blowback that it had. Like, how are you, how, why are you doing this? Everybody likes to prognosticate. Kareem Hunt, these guys, because we've seen them do well. The reality is running backs, whether you like it or not, are highly replaceable commodities. Teams that are very successful don't pay those guys. And Derrick Henry might be the biggest example of this. Chris, what have they won since they paid Derrick Henry? Nothing. What have they won since they drafted Derrick Henry? Nothing. Because they made him the focal point of their team. Do you win when your running back is the best player on your roster? You can. You can't. You can win games. Sure. Who's won a Super Bowl with their running back being their best player? Hasn't happened since the uh, 80s. Who? San Francisco with Roger Craig. How the fuck do you know? I love that you have that. Or Chicago with Walter Payton, who was so good he didn't score in the Super Bowl. Yet they beat the Patriots forty six to ten. Because <laughs> the Patriots are like we have to sell out to stop Walter Payton. Yeah, and they but instead they gave uh, the ball to the refrigerator at the goal line. Guys, there's no there's no trade for a running back. There's no running back signings coming. We're gonna continue to be cheap about this. And Chris, hopefully he drafts more effectively. And then hopefully when they do draft a guy like Cook who has ability, they fucking play them. Yeah. Check back in in like six weeks when we have on running back guru Matt Waldman, the Barry White of podcasting. Ugh. And then there's this one, and I think it might be the biggest, like, this is where, I don't know, I talk about Harrison Smith and Jordan Poyer. I want to open with this. The Vikings defense was a mess last season, and a lot of that, like, the immediate firing of the defensive coordinator. You saw Brett Coleman's got a video on it on his channel, if you guys haven't watched it, yeah. of why the Vikings defense was so fucked because it was the play calling and the, their defensive coordinator being an absolute douche. He got fired directly into the sun, Rick Dennison style, as soon as the season ended. So that should tell you that the franchise knows that he was the problem. And the generously poor fit of their scheme didn't do a lot for a lot of their players. Everyone had a statistically down year. But within that, Harrison Smith's year wasn't bad. Five interceptions, three pass breakups, 131 yards after the catch, two touchdowns against, seven games with less than 25 yards in coverage allowed. Chris, that sounds like good safety play, doesn't it? Yeah. So why are the Minnesota Vikings, they're their local papers, the blogs, all filled with rumblings that if he doesn't restructure, he could be a cap sacrifice before this year's draft. Really? That's going to happen? Oh, wait. I know why. Because he's a safety. He's 34. And he counts $19.2 million against their salary cap. Yeah, it says cut. Yeah. Like, to put that into perspective, guys, Stefan Diggs counts $20.2 million against this year's Bills cap. Smith is good. Is he Stefan Diggs good? Chris, Stefan Diggs is a guy who wins you or loses you a football game, correct? Stefan, well, quarterback. Like, whether you have him or don't have him changes your whole game, correct? I mean, he can make a difference because we got Josh. Can Harrison Smith do that for you? No. <laughs> no. I, like, I, it's just a tough case to make. 
The reason I bring him up is because ever since the conversation regarding Jordan Poyer started last offseason, the core, like he became the corollary in terms of contract that I kept hearing. They go, pro bowler, all pro, key cog for his team's defense, a heart and soul type player. There's a lot of similarities, and I can understand why. So it was fair to compare their contract situations then, and I think it's probably fair to compare them now, and it's not a good look. If I'm an NFL GM, which for anyone who's listened to our draft shows, you thank fucking God that I don't like I don't get to sit in that office and give my input because I'm terrible at draft prognostication. But if I'm looking at anybody like in a GM capacity, like I'm looking at this and saying to myself, I just watched a team sign a very similar 32-year-old safety to a high annual average value contract for the position. And just halfway through, we already have buyer's remorse. The cap structure is already a problem. And now I'm trying to, I have, like, I don't know, I'm trying to renegotiate. Do I want to sign up for the same headache that those guys did? Some teams will say yes. Those teams are the Jets and the Raiders. Some team out there will make Poyer a pitch. Will they be a contender? That's hard to say. Like, I imagine that most of the contenders in the NFL have cap constraints. Previous spending, like you look at the Eagles. We talked about it with Nate. How much dead cap do they have tied up to guys who aren't on the roster? Yeah. It's crazy. $46 million. They have, what, 20% of their cap tied up in two defensive tackles who aren't on the team. <laughs> that's crazy. Because that's what the Eagles thought would win in the Super Bowl. Some team might go out there and make that all-in push because they think Poyer is the missing piece. Right? Mm-hmm. They also have GMs who see the Smith correlation that I just laid out and realize that while safety is an important position, you can't commit what equates to NFL-wide wide receiver one cap space to a safety who's over the age of 30, has a bunch of injuries, and you don't even know the problem that you're taking on. You don't know if he'll fit your scheme. It's entirely possible that Poyer inks a one- or two-year deal somewhere else and then rides off into the sunset, right? It could just be, I want one last payday, and I want to be paid what I think I'm worth. And that would be fair. And will you be mad at him if he does it? No. No. You've been a great, you've been a good soldier for us here in Buffalo. You never Last year, now knowing that the Bills never tried to negotiate your deal, you've been a good soldier. You did the thing. You fought for us tooth and nail, and then finally your body broke down to a point where you just had to tap out. But you fought for us, and I will forever be grateful for that. At the same time, like, another team's going to see that and go, yeah, I'm going to take those damaged goods, and I'm going to pay you the biggest contract in safety history like Harrison Smith got. I want no part of that. Yeah, no thanks. Like, I also, like, it's entirely possible that he's in a fucking Bears or Falcons uniform. If that's what he's after, is just the payday. Yeah, go to the Bears. They got a lot of money. They have money. They can pay you. I just look at the fact that he's one of the most competitive players on this roster. 
And he's been a full time since he's been a full time starter in the NFL. He's only played for playoff teams here in Buffalo. I would be shocked to see him go like, I don't know, go sign with a loser just for more money. Chris, he, Chris, can you Google what his career earnings were? Ooh, Poyers? Yeah. Yeah, I'll pull it up. So I, I would just be very surprised to see him chase dollars to go play for a losing football team. I think he wants to still play. He, stills, he still has the fire. He's going to do it for a team that can also kind of get him within striking distance of a Lombardi. So, I don't know. But I, I look at this and I, I look at Spotrack, and they say he's worth 11 million, 30, uh, 30, 11 million a year, 33 million over a three-year deal. That's what he and Spotrack and Drew Rosenhaus probably say he should be worth. I would just be shocked if he signs that with a loser, Chris. I wouldn't be surprised. Why? Because there's money his, talks? There's his career earnings. He's already made $37 million as a safety in the NFL. That's that's rare. Yeah. That's rare for a guy in his position. Should be enough to live off the rest of, the, of his life. But realistically, it comes down to what he wants. Now... Last week, I called not reaching out to Rosenhaus to negotiate a mistake, if that rumor is true. Now, having walked through all of this and thinking about the decision through that lens, does it provide some clarity, Chris, as to why Bean might have decided not, like, hey, I'm not going to negotiate with you. Instead, I'm going to look into other options because I know what your side wants and I'm not willing to meet you there. Yeah. There's probably no middle ground they can get to. Probably not. So I just look at this and I say to myself, the Bills could probably, I know everyone's going to be mad when Poyer signs somewhere else. Right? Yeah. But I think if you look at the Harrison Smith contract and the fact that he could get cut right now, today or tomorrow or next week, they could announce the fact that he's being cut because they need to save cap space. After everyone just got done telling me, well, Poyer deserves this because Harrison Smith got paid that. Yeah. I think GMs are smarter than me. I think they're smarter than you. I think they're smarter than the rest of us out here listening. To All of you listening to this podcast, I should. I pray Brandon Bean is smarter than us. I think that that plays a giant role in how Poyer's negotiation went, how it will go, and where he inevitably ends up. So if the Bills end up not retaining him, it's not going to be because the team was short-sighted or because we were cheap or because we didn't respect him. It's going to be because we have a GM who looked at that and goes, hey, I read the market, and I see what happened to people who did the same thing I did, and I want to be smarter than that. I kind of give Brandon Bean some credit for that now, in retrospect, don't you? Yeah. Now, as we close the show, these are names you won't hear during the upcoming free agent profile series, unless something profound happens. But I'll be watching The Wire based on when and if they're cut, because my interest might peak a little bit in regards to them. Tight end Zach Ertz and wide receiver Robbie Anderson from the Cardinals. You got a, uh, it's not it, it's not correct. What? Uh, it's not Robbie Anderson. It's Chosen Anderson. Wait, did he change his fucking name? Yeah, I, I swear to God. 
Yeah, he legally changed his name to Chosen. Well, I don't want him now. In <laughs> fact, you know, guys, scratch him from the list. Chosen? No, you don't. Get, no, you don't get to play from that football game. Uh, linebacker Eric Kendricks from the Vikings. Offensive tackle Trent Brown in New England. Strong safety Malik Hooker in Dallas. These are just some names, some guys I'm watching who might get cut, who I have a little bit of interest in, and I'll talk more about them on the podcast if and when they do. If not, just look forward to our upcoming free agent preview series over the course of the next few weeks. Also, look out for some spaces. Chris, we invested in that tech. Yeah. We've got camera tech going on over here. We've got camera switchers. We're running a Rogan-esque operation over here now. I think I've found a way for us to get back to doing Twitter spaces. And when we do, guys. We'll let you know. I'm going to hit this thing. I'm going to hit this thing. I I I had a Ray Rice joke, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I mean, if you... If you guys want to go to our YouTube page, I'm gonna, I think hit, the, it, I'm gonna it, hit this thing like Ray Rice hit the hole and took it for 80 yards against the Patriots to open that wild card game. All right, but our uh, podcast that we did with Nate Gittery, you can watch it on YouTube if you want to. It's there. Just search out the Rockpile Report. That's our YouTube page. I don't know how to to fuckulate with the uh, the algo, but you know, hey. Guys, we'll we're, be out we're on YouTube. If you want to watch it and see our faces. Guys, there's things visually that I think will be more appealing to some of our listeners than others. Go check it out. I think it's worth your time. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. We've had some laughs. I've imparted a bunch of knowledge, even though I am a bunch of glasses of Kentucky gentlemen deep. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. This has been your Rock Pop Report. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.